Everybody, welcome to World One One Podcast. I'm your host, the Chocolate Dunder with Wonder Eddie V. Joining me is the Red Red Red. Okay, <laughs> say I'm so I'm so geek. We just had a really 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 good discussion um, that we'll probably bring up later on in the show. Um, the Red Velvet Nordic Beast himself, Big Papa, Mister Larry Giver. My beard is velvety. <laughs> You look like ZZ Top. That's what you remind me of, like a cool version of ZZ Top. I, and I love ZZ Top. I really do. Um, we're uh, our I want a fucking full-on acapella version of Lagrange. Like mm. I want one person per like instrument, and I want to hear a full acapella version of Lagrange because I think it would be badass. We probably could find one on YouTube. You shouldn't take. I've one. looked. I can't. Like really? I need like four people and like one person's you know doing you know and then the next one picks up with it and it just keeps building like that'd be awesome yeah it needs to happen get on that youtube people come on youtube <laughs> come through um, I don't know, maybe if we get enough people together when you're here visiting in a couple weeks we uh, can actually do that oh uh, i've had to study this i had to study the music uh which I could do. I could, yeah, I could prepare for that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, everybody. <laughs> I'm well, going enough to... drunk people at my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go see uh, Mr. Giver uh, in the coming weeks, and you'll be hearing the uh, episode hopefully for optional opinion and for World One One. Um, can't wait. I, I, we we just talked about stuff that we're going to be doing or and planning this stuff, and I'm so geeked out and I'm so like really nerd out about it. Um, our very good old friend Adrian Nieto will be here soon. Hopefully, he'll be Eventually. able to join us. Yeah, he had some things to do, but uh, we're going to go on without him for right now, and hopefully he joins in. So we're actually going to get into our topics for today. Um, our first topic, and this is kind this of... Topic, Panda Express sucks, kill it with fire. <laughs> topic one, done. So our first topic is, what is wrong with eating Panda Express? Let me give some context before we give judgment and start talking about Chinese food. This is the show where we now just talk about Chinese food and not video games anymore. Exactly. <laughs> um, so this past week, I uh, decided to go to GameStop, um, and I picked up some video games, Resident Evil 5 and uh, Just Cause 3. And I mentioned that while, I, while I'm going to get some games, I said that I was going to go get some Chinese food, and Panda Express was, like, close to my GameStop. So, uh, when people found out I was going to uh, Panda Express, I kind of got a negative reaction <laughs> from some people. Panda Express is terrible. So, I'm going to turn over to Mr. Larry Giver and explain why Panda Express is terrible. Panda Express is god-awful. It's like the armpit of Chinese food, no matter where you go. Like... You- Every place in existence, except for apparently fucking Kalamazoo, we discovered, has, like, a, a really good 
at least one really good fucking Chinese place that means that there is exactly zero excuse to go to Panda Express because you could be going to an awesome Chinese place unless you're in Kalamazoo, which is somehow the exception to the rule of the universe. And Kalamazoo just has no good Chinese food anywhere. So that's that's why Panda Express sucks. Kill it, kill it with fire. Now, do you think Panda Express is too manufactured as like American uh, American cuisine? No, I just think their Chinese food sucks. Wow. But you know what? I actually buy Panda Express when I'm at Great America. Like, I don't get it normally. Like, I think the last time I had Panda Express besides um, getting the games at GameStop, uh, I, I probably had it a year and a half ago. And so that, that I think that was the last time when I went to uh, Six Flags, um, and where that uh, where they sell the uh, sell their food at. Um, I went in and got Penn Express. Um, that's the last time I had it besides uh, last week. Um, and I know some people uh, like it, some people don't like it. I know for me, I have, do have some local Chinese places up here that sells some really really good Chinese food. Um, and I usually get like their, uh, like their like kind of combo lunch combos, um, like fried rice with like, um, their greens, onions and like beef, um, or, uh, pork food young and stuff like that. Oh, sorry about that. Everybody. Um, I get stuff like that to eat. Um, Pan Express though, it was, it was kind of good. Um, I had the grilled chicken teriyaki. Um, I don't know what kind of fried rice they gave me. It, I, I can't. I'm just like, what is this? No, it's just it's disgusting. Like everyone should be obligated to eat Panda Express once a year just to remind themselves that it's a terrible idea and not to do it. But a lot of people go there and eat it. A lot of people are stupid. <laughs> Well, no, they're not stupid. Anyone listening, don't take that personally. Just know that there are a lot of stupid people that do stupid things because they don't know better. They haven't had good Chinese food. like Exactly. Like, if you live in Kalamazoo, you're excused. If if you live in Kalamazoo and you've never been anywhere else, you're excused because apparently Kalamazoo does not have any good Chinese food anywhere. But beyond that, there's no fucking excuse for that kind of behavior. And it's very weird. Um... Every time I go up to Wisconsin, I go see my friend. Um, I don't see no kind of Chinese places around there. Like Panda Express. Um, like there was one Chinese place that I seen, and it was by like their local Target. Um, but like uh, uh, some real like Wang Tang Hop, you know, Mapasai, Yutu, uh, Chinese place. Like some, some like <laughs> the name sounds weird. It kind of looks low budget, but it has the bomb food, like Chinese food there. Like, I didn't okay. see none of that. You'll always find the best Chinese food at, like, weird little hole-in-the-wall places. Yes. And, and, it's, and it's so weird because it makes sense. That's, the- that's totally the case here. Like, the, the Chinese place that I was telling you about, dude, mm-hmm. I, holy shit, it's this raggedy little hole-in-the-wall, but oh my god, the food is so good. Dude, when I was married the first time, I used to go there so often I didn't have to order anymore. I just walk in the door, and the very nice little Chinese lady that works there 
saw me walk in and would just walk in back and start making my food. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I didn't even have to. I just there was a point where I didn't have to tell her what I wanted to eat anymore. She just started making me food whenever she saw me walk in the door. Wow. That was a real thing. You know, there are people like that. Like, if you've been to their estab- establishment for so many times, and it gets to a point where they know what you're going to order, or what, and it, sometimes they like what you are in the mood for, they'll just go back and make it and bring it out to you. Like, or they'll just tell you, you want a number two with this, this, this. Yeah, how did yeah. you know? Uh, you've been ordering it for the last two months. They'll <laughs> be like, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, it was awesome. So, but yeah, oh my God, their crab cheese wontons are to die for. Ooh. Their dumplings are amazing. Their wonton soup is the tits. Uh, wonton soup is. Killer General Sows. Uh, uh, it's just me, so good. Everybody, some good wonton soup will just. For me personally, it, it feels, it makes me, it feels good. It fills me with joy. Like, it not only puts me to sleep, but I just be like. I, I kind of want some more. Like, I want to eat, like, a whole medium bowl of wonton soup. Oh, yeah. It's that good. Um, which is which is, brings us uh, to another story that I have. Um, I actually got to try ramen um, last Saturday. So, I... Uh, like, like, proper ramen, not, you know, cup of noodles ramen? Proper ramen. Uh, mine was uh, miso flavored. Um, so they had soy sauce, roast beef, um, the ramen noodles, uh, the, the the soup that they used um, was really thick, was really good. Um, and I ate everything with, uh, with uh, chopsticks. They didn't give me no fork or anything. They gave me chopsticks and they gave me uh, a, a spoon. So I ate it the way that it was meant to, that it's meant to be eaten, like the way that they made it. Um, uh, I and I was so happy because uh, I watched a lot of anime, and when they have the ramen, they got the fish, uh, fish tail or fish thing, and it's the white little uh, with the pink swirl in it. It's like a little kind of uh, decoration, and I got to eat it. Paid like ten dollars for it. Uh, got because I got a medium bowl and it was really good. Like I was like really geek. Even the mushrooms that was in it was like nice. I'm like, what is this good flavor? Just like I was so shocked to eat that. Uh, compared to the three, the thirty nine cent three minute rice uh ramen bowl. Oh, noodles, yeah, yeah. Now don't get me yeah. wrong, it's it's, it's flavorful. But that ramen bowl, I was just like, dang, you could really taste the difference. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, that's, uh, we're, we're, we're going to have a, a bar and a food night when he, when you come out to visit and, you know, like, like you said, you, you'll get to see the, uh, the bar where uh, my wife and I met. Oh. Uh... So at, at Bleachers. Oh, I cannot wait to see this place. I, I, I hope it's really big because <laughs> it is actually bleachers is this awesome bar. It's a one story bar, but it's a three room bar. And oh. like, like I was telling you, they've been renovating over the last couple of years. They've done some really cool shit, but you walk in and there's the main room uh-huh. and it used to be the, uh, the main room had like a, a wall separating it from the main bar. 
so there was just a doorway to get to the main from the main room to the main bar. They kicked down that wall, and uh, so now it's just open right into the main bar. And so you walk in, front room, dartboards, a pool table, bunch of tables, and then the main bar behind it. When you get to the main bar, if you swing a left, uh-huh. there's a full pool hall with like 12 tables running all night long. Nice. And uh, the, the main bar now extends out into the pool room. It, like, curves around the back wall. And uh, then if you go the other direction, if you head off to the right, there's a uh, karaoke room with a second bar in it that they run karaoke seven nights a week. And like I was telling you, man, they've got a really good mix of people that can, honest to God, actually sing really well. And uh, the the selection is fucking spectacular. Um, like you said, I know it's going to be a Friday night. It's going to be absolutely batshit insane in there. But um, the the bar in there was one of the first renovations that they did uh, a couple of years ago. Um, they they kicked out the back wall at the uh, back of that bar, expanded it back, uh-huh. and for years the uh, the owner had been saving glass bottle tops from eighteen hundred tequila. Yeah, and they redid the overhead on the bar with all those glass bottle tops is glass bricks and like backlit it with color changing lights and shit. And it's awesome. But the, uh, the latest renovation when they took out the wall between uh, the main bar and the pool room and built, expanded the bar around the corner. That's when they put in all the new taps. And like I said, they've got like 150 or so beer taps and most of them are all loaded with just all kinds of craft beers. Cause uh, the owner's son and uh, nephew both work there and they're huge beer nuts and so they they basically get to you know tell dad it's like hey uh we want to stock this 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 and this and you know they they kind of almost get free reign to uh you know make the selections on what's getting put on tap on those 150 taps so wow it's it's impressive not to mention it's probably one of the cheapest bars in town to boot so, like I said, you just you get this weird eclectic mix of fucking everybody, like old people and domers, which are our college kids around the area because we're, we're right by Notre Dame. Uh-huh. So, you know, there there are bars that are almost strictly like domer bars, but Bleachers gets that weird mix of everything. Wow, oh, it's so just excited. it's a different place. So, but I mean. They, it's always fun to see, you know, what uh, what they're trying in the uh, in the main room too uh-huh. from time because they they've had different things like they've had this like kind of arcade beer pong machine. It was had fucking skee ball in the main room. <laughs> Wait, so, what? Yeah, ski ball. Yeah, they had a fucking skee ball machine up in the main room at one point a couple of years ago. I probably would have been on that mug all night seeing what tickets I could win. It, it, they they had a thing up there where if you got, you know, like X amount of score or better, uh, you'd get like a 5 or $10 gift certificate for the bar. Oh, nice. Yeah. So not only did you have fucking skee-ball and booze, but, you know, you could win more booze. Or so, yeah, that's, that's the thing. And their bar food there is... It's really good. I mean, it's it's standard bar food, but it's I've never had anything bad there. 
But personal favorite though, their wings are fucking awesome. Oh, see, that's what I want to try. Like the bar food, I love bar food. I I, I can't admit that. And usually, I kind of look like for sometimes the nachos and cheese and stuff like that are fine. Um, but I'm like, do you got anything a little bit heavier, like cheeseburgers? Like if they have a cheeseburger on there, I'm getting that. Because oh, dude, the sticky burger, the sticky burger is epic. Mm-hmm. It's it's a cheeseburger with pepper jack cheese and bacon and peanut butter. Wait, what? Yes. Dude, oh, yes. the stink burger is awesome. My stomach might be upset. We're so me. getting your ass a sticky burger when you when you get there. Oh my uh, my stomach is going to be upset. That's all I can say. <laughs> well It's so delicious. Oh that sounds so good. It sounds crazy, but uh oh I, and I love me some good pepper jack. Like pepper jack cheese, uh like the pepper jack isn't anything special. I mean, like you said, it just it all works together so well. Well, it, I mean, if it gives me a good spicy kick and the peanut butter is the sweetness to it, because the bacon is just going to be the bacon. The bacon is just going to be delish. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, but if the if the pe- if the pepper jack and the peanut butter works well, like it's a really good combo. I'm on it. I'm I'm just like yeah. I I might have to before it, I leave Indiana if works. if. Trust me, if it's bomb, not only would I be taking food from the party home, I'll probably have to stop by bleachers and be like, I need a burger to go. (laughs) (laughs) So, but uh, we're going to actually move on to our second topic. That's where we actually start talking about video game stuff. Yes. Um, And this one is not very We're not just like creaming (laughs) ourselves over food. Uh, We'll have a discussion about food one day. I think we'll have an episode where we just talk about food and probably like seeing food in video games that we want to try in real life. Because that's how sometimes I do see some food like uh, there was something like Muramasa Blade, uh, no, the Muramasa, the Demon Blade on Wii U and Avita. Um, I see some of the food over there, and I'm just be like, okay, these are real. This is real life food, and I'll be like, oh, I really want to try this. So yeah, we'll probably do an episode like that. We'll all probably come up with our own list of food that we just love to eat, and then compare it to like food and video games that we wish wasn't real or we wish we could have. Because I still don't understand how in Final Fight I could kick a trash can and a full roasted turkey comes out, like. <laughs> Like, being a mutts were, okay, before we get to our second topic, being a mutts are the weirdest games to have food in them. To give you energy. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's just like, okay, I'm in a abandoned warehouse. Where did the heck did this big box have this little thing of grapes? Like, really? Like, who does that? At least Battletoads was kind of honest about it, you know? It wasn't just food laying everywhere. It was like flies floating around. Oh yeah. Did you get to beat folks up with a uh, with a bone that you just from a animal that you just beat uh, that gang? But let's get to our second time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Bellatoes. It's just so difficult. I swear that game is so difficult. Uh, yeah, but it's so good. I know, but once you get past. Um, the motorbike race part and for anyone who has not listened to our uh, extreme racing episode give that a listen and you will hear us talk about Battletoads and other great extreme racing games like F-Zero uh, wish that would come back 
Um, but yeah, once you get past that part in Battle Toes, it's it, you feel accomplished. But then you got to jump those snakes, and I'm like, oh, are you serious? <sighs> I miss Battle Toads. It'll come back someday. Uh, but let's finally get to our second topic. Um, the simulated violence. Hey, <laughs> Uh, the simulated violence in this gameplay create criminals. Um, and w- one of our great friends, Professor Panty Drop, um, Mr. Tony Zilakakis, uh, was asking us kind of about gun control. And I kind of, I, we gave our thoughts, but I kind of wanted to turn it to, um, actually simulated violence. Um, Definitely when there's like school shootings and stuff like that. And we normally don't talk about things like this. I know some people get upset about it. But I never asked the question. I talk about the shit, but, you know, <laughs> that's, that's definitely. Right. I mean, we never asked the question of why people think that simulated violence and the gameplay creates criminals. Or believe the fact that if you play a certain video game, you become a uh, expert at shooting, driving, killing, like just simulated stuff. Like, why do you think people believe that? Because people, two reasons. One, people are stupid and people want to scapegoat. It's honestly that simple. It's ungodly dumb. Um, for for those that haven't seen it, uh, a number of years ago, Penn and Teller did a. a spectacular episode on the subject go go watch it um i for the life of me i can't remember what season it was i think it was like season four or five of their uh show that was on showtime called bullshit and yeah. uh if any of you have amazon prime uh penn and teller's bullshit is available on amazon prime um i think there's a couple of odd episodes missing from the prime subscription but i do know the video game violence episode is up there uh yeah, watch it. It's it's good. Um, one of my favorite parts of that show is this idiot that they're talking to who's out at, like, uh, I think he was at an E for All convention when that was still a thing, when they were trying to split E3 in two at one point. Yeah. And um, in, in any case, this idiot was out there, you know, handing out flyers about, you know, the, the fire triangle, how, you know, it... it School shootings and things come about when three things come together. Violent video games and troubled kids and guns. They basically break it down piece by piece and you end up with no triangle. You end up with a fucking stick. Because they'll they'll sit there and they point out, it's like, well, you know, A, um, you know, school shootings, mass murders have, you know, been happening long since before video games. So we can take video games out of the equation. That's not required, obviously. Um, let's see. Uh, some of the the biggest mass killings were done without guns. Um, so we can take guns out of the equation. Now you're down to troubled kid. And uh, as we know, some of the most severe mass killings were not committed by kids. They were committed by fucking adults. So you're just left with a stick that says troubled. That's it. That's all there is to it. Troubled. Everything else just piles on potentially, but is not necessitated for any sort of you know mass attack on the civilian population. So there you have it. Yeah, um, it, it's stupid. People are dumb 
uneducated people are dumb. There, there are those that love to live in just their ignorant little bubble and, you know, will never come out of it. And they just want to scapegoat the point to that says that, you know, yeah, I'm not the problem. And then you can turn around and go, yes, you are. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my thought on the subject. I think it's retarded. And that's why. Exactly. And I just feel like, why do you believe that if you pick up a controller versus picking up an item in real life, like picking up a controller versus picking up a gun are two separate things. Like a gun doesn't have the control input of a video game controller. Video game controller don't have the input I of... <laughs> yes, everybody, I am going to be shooting a gun in two more weeks. Um, and I'm nervous yet excited about that. But, uh, but, you uh, know, we're it, it, and girls. <laughs> but you know what? It's going to be, to me, that, we, that's, we're doing it safely. We're going out to an indoor range. You know, I, I know what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm going to be, you know, keeping an eye and, you know, helping them out and, teaching them so that way it's done safely and, you know, in controlled circumstances. You know, we're not just going out into somebody's backyard and shooting off fucking beer cans off a fence. So, you know, with with nobody around. Proper protection and everything, you know, accounted for. So, for those of you that that think I'm just a lunatic asshole, which, you know, I kind of am a lunatic asshole, but in this instance, I do firmly believe in educated use and safety when it comes to guns. Do I like guns? Yes. Uh, you know, am I nuts about their use? No, I'm I'm pretty sane when it comes to I, I believe that you know you should be educated. You you may not like it. You may choose to never own one, but you should at least know how to use it. Correct. Being responsible. Amen, brother. And you and I I talked to my cousin in Texas about this, uh, and we we didn't have a debate, but we just talked. You know, with background checks and all of that other stuff. Um, but this is going to be, for me personally, it's going to be a good experience. It's going to give me actually more research of me shooting a real gun versus shooting a gun in Borderlands or Call of Duty or Golden Eye 64. Like, I'll be able to, t- I, I, hopefully, I could be able to tell the difference. Um, I know if I, when I shoot the real gun, it doesn't make me want to be. It doesn't make me an expert or wants me to become like a killer or something. Like I've been playing first place first person shooters for a long time. Metro Prime is like one of my favorites. Uh, it's a first person action. I like to call it uh, first person adventure. I can't really call it a shooter. It has a shooter mechanic, but um, the prime the prime example uh, the prime games are so good. But that doesn't make me an expert at shooting. It makes me an expert oh, at God. playing the Prime Prime series. Yeah, it's it's a vastly different experience, but it, it, I I firmly believe it's one that everybody should have. You know, I I know full well that when my daughter is old enough, I will take her and I will teach her how to shoot. You know, I suspect some somewhere between the age of probably eight and twelve. You know. I mean, truthfully, I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, learning how to shoot a rifle for the first time, you know, and I, I wasn't terrified of it, but, you know, it, it taught me proper respect for for a firearm, and, you know, it's, it's something that I, I firmly believe should be instilled. 
you know, and I, it, when I take her out, I'll probably take her out with like my dad's 22, just because it's not a, a anything super scary. You know, it doesn't have a whole lot of kick. Um, you know, it's it's something that's very easy to handle. That, that you know, even as a young kid, she would be able to handle. You know, firing off without any major problems. Uh-huh. You know, uh, what what I'm taking out with you, my nine mil handgun. You know, has considerably more kick than my dad's twenty two long rifle does. But you know, it's it's nothing that you can't handle. But I don't know that I would you know put it in my daughter's hands. You know, even at like ten or twelve years old. You know, I'd want her to you know, at least have something that she can handle, but still, you know, grasp the, the concept and the comprehension of that, you know, yes, it's, it's a gun. This is what it does. So, yes. And it's good. It's good training. It's good education. Um, you know, for her to get used to it and to like learn it and, and, and know about it. Like, I don't think that video games or simulated, simulated, uh, violence and games like it doesn't it doesn't create uh, you to be a killer or anything like that um, you can probably get an idea but it's, it's just supposed to present a fantasy world of fun like it, it, there's just two different levels of entertainment or that not two levels of entertainment it's a different kind of entertainment that you get from playing a uh, first person shooter or even something like Mortal Kombat or uh, uh, Bayonetta you know like like some mature games it, there's a different experience that you get than doing stuff in real life like there's no way if you play Bayonetta you're now an expert at martial arts and doing quick combos like you're not you're not that experienced or that quick yeah I mean you know, I, like, like I said, you know, I'm I'm not a super gun nut, but I, I do believe in you know, education and intelligence when it comes to. But you know, for for me, I, I keep a handgun in the house, and you know, it's not because I I want to have you know guns galore. I own one gun. That's it. That's perfectly fine for me. You know, I've got something that I can take out for my own personal enjoyment to go out shooting at the range. But primarily, you know, why I bought it uh, a couple of years ago, you know, I, I used to work in a real shitty town. And, uh, you know, I, like I was telling you earlier, you know, I used to I used to sell diamonds for a living. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I was not in a great town by any means. Uh, I, I was working in Elkhart, Indiana. And for anybody that knows, Elkhart is a fucking shithole. That's where class and decency go to die. But uh, beyond that, it's, it's not necessarily the safest city either. Um, it, it really kind of sucks. But so I, you know, ever since I was working there, you know, and working nights, which meant I was taking, you know, sizable cash drops with me physically from that lo- from the store to the bank, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I should, you know, pick something up for my own personal protection and it, it was kind of a back burner issue until um while i was working in elkhart um there was a, a shooting at a local martin supermarket um which is a just a, a local chain of supermarkets that we have here and uh, a couple people were killed and one of them happened to be a friend of mine actually uh was lost to a, a shooter at at that location and uh it, it went from a back burner issue to 
yeah, we're heading out in a week or so, and I'm picking something up now. Um, you know, because again, that was that was that same city. That was you know a couple miles from where I worked, and uh, you know, given that I was, like I said, you know, transporting oftentimes large sums of cash on my person at night. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was uh, that's the thing. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, like, like I said, it's, it's one of those things that I have it in my house for, you know, my personal protection. Um, I actually, uh, I'm not going to lie, got a little spooked a couple weeks ago. I came home and, uh, my, my wife was home already and, uh, she was in the bedroom playing with the baby, but, uh, I came home and walked in the door and I saw that the, the garage door was open. Like, not the, not the big garage door, but just the regular door to the garage. Yeah. And I'm like, sweetheart, why is the garage door open? Were you in the garage? And she says, no. So I, I whipped it out and went out because at that point I had no idea who was, you know, potentially in my garage where they didn't fucking belong and what they were doing there. Turned out she had been out in the garage the day before and just didn't shut the door tight and the, you know, the high winds kicked it open. But, you know, that's one of those things, you know, I got a wife and a child to, to make sure are safe. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't fuck around with that. The but no, again, I make sure will. that I'm educated, what I'm doing and I'm safe. Right. Uh, the last part of the question that I want to ask, and then we're going to go on a break. Um, why is it the most dumbest logic some adults believe? Like why, why most journalists and we just pretty much, I'm pretty much going to put it out there, Fox News. Like, why are they the like the, the dumb ones that really be trying to be poured on it and get people to believe that um, kids who play in ready games and stuff like that are will be be killers and stuff like this? And then you see most of the adults do worse crimes that never played a video game at all. Um, in fact. Fox, Fox News' very own CEO was uh, allegedly, uh, allegedly. Well, he resigned because of he was being allegedly a sex, uh, uh, sexual hus- harassment or assault or something like that. I think sexual harassment. Uh, just like your own boss, who's who allegedly did something to a lot of females. Uh, He's never played a video game, and he did worse stuff than Grand Theft Auto. Like, he is a, a 70, 80-year-old man, old dude, messing around with women, harassing them sexually. Like, really? Honestly, I think a lot of that that concept and perspective has gone away in the last five or ten years. Mm-hmm. Probably closer to five, but... It's not something that you really hear talked about anymore. And I, I, I'll put it out there. I'm sure I'm going to uh, offend a lot of people and their concept of me. But, you know, I, I don't watch Fox News, but I do listen to uh, some of the Fox News radio talk around here. Um, and there, there, are one, there are shows that I prefer to others um, because I, I do think, you know, there are some of them that are a little more level-headed. And for those that have not had the opportunity. Um, I, I would say the one that I would recommend checking out, give give them a listen for like a week. Um, but I, I, I really do like listening to uh, Lars Larson, actually. Um, and, and the reason being is that uh, throughout the day, uh, on a regular weekday, 
Um, our, our local Fox affiliate runs like three major uh, talk shows, um, and then Lars comes on in the evening. But they run on Hannity in the morning, Rush Limbaugh in the afternoon, and uh, Sean Hannity in the evening, and Lars is on late at night. But, uh, you know, the, the, the first three always run, you know, just variants on the same shit that's going on. Lars is a lot more level-headed, and he talks about a lot more, like, individual and personal stuff, you know, uh-huh. how, how larger-scale, you know, government politics happening affect, you know, regular, everyday people on a, a normal, you know, personal level instead. And uh, that's, it's, it's really worth a listen. Uh, even if it, even if it's not your side of politics, I, I do recommend at least give a show a consistent listen for like a week. Check him out. Um, but you know, again, he's he's one of those that's very very big on on Second Amendment rights, but he's also very big on you know responsible ownership. Um, you know, but the the other thing that the narrative has changed from is, you know, it's not so much a case anymore of, you know, let's blame it on video games, but there's there's a lot more sensible things going on that are being pointed out. You know, look at how many of the, the mass shootings that have occurred lately, you know, what what's a, one big thing they all have in common? They're, quote-unquote, gun-free zones. What does that mean? That means that whoever's walking in there with a gun knows that any other law-abiding citizen doesn't have one to stop exactly. it. You know, and that's that's one of the biggest things that these guys are all pointing out. And you know, it you you may or may not like their politics, but I'm sorry. There's there's logic staring you in the face. You can either stick your head in the sand and ignore it, or you can go, hmm, maybe that's a problem we should fix. Exactly. But you know, there you go. And it doesn't mean that everybody there has to be carrying a gun, but don't tell a criminal that no one has one. Just leave the possibility that one person might have one and put, you know, put one right between his eyes if he tries to take out everybody there. Just saying. Look, I found a little larva. Oh, it's Larry's baby, everybody. Looking at me. Hi, Olivia. (laughs) I'll come. I'll be down there two weeks to come see you. (laughs) But I ain't going to come visit you. And with it, everybody, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. I'm done with politics for now. Let me tell you. My arms turn tired While this invasion 
Hello, everybody. Welcome back to World One One Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Eddie V, the Chocolate Thunder Rip Wonder. Joining me with again on some good video game discussion is Big Papa himself, Larry Giver, and our Caramel Mexican has came oh, back. <laughs> it's our Maple Snorlax now. <laughs> our Maple Lax. That's right. Our good friend Adrian Nieto is back. Hey, Adrian. I'm moving countries just so you guys can stop calling me that. Oh. It's his milk in a bag. I'm moving. I'm moving to to the UK now. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll come up with something for that too. Exactly. Oh, jeez. Hello, everyone. A Brixican. Our European uh, equation or something like that. It'll be a Brixican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you like look? Did you like Tony's uh uh fourth like nickname that I put Professor uh uh Professor Panty Drop? <laughs> yeah, of course. That shit was spectacular. <laughs> that was fantastic. So, uh, oh before God. we get to our last two topics, um, we're going to jump into Indie Watch with our very own Adrian. Um, let us know what's on your Indie Watch, dude. All right, so for those who don't know or that are joining us for the first time, Indie Watch is a small segment that we have where we uh, basically talk indie games that are coming up, that are out, or that we're just excited about. Uh, so recently I got the toy box key for Ukulele since I was a backer uh, back in last year when they started the Kickstarter. Yeah. <clears throat> and my God, I was excited to get a toy box. I didn't go to the office in the morning. I spent all morning playing uh, my toy box demo, and it was just fantastic. Like, that game is in very good hands. Like, it feels so much of Banjo-Kazooie J. It's so different at the same time. Uh, it's just unbelievable. It's just super fun to play. I'm I'm not as, as scared as I was of uh, Mighty Number no. 9. I think... If they continue, like, if they just expand on what they show so far, uh, that will be okay. Like, the, de- the, the toy box, which is not a demo, it's, a, like, a complete separate, like, standalone uh, world where you collect uh, 100 quills and then you get a pagey. Uh, it's, like, it's its own thing, right? Like, it doesn't have anything of the main game except for the techniques that you use to uh, traverse throughout the world. Uh-huh. So that's, that was super fun. So if they keep it that way, I think this game is going to be awesome. It, like, it plays so well. I played it on my PC using an uh, Xbox 360 controller. Uh-huh. And, like, I knew where everything was. Like, I didn't have to, like, check the tutorial or anything. Like, I knew, all right, this, I'm running with this. I'm jumping with this. I'm double jumping with this. I'm attacking with this. Like, everything, like, came back to me from the one time that I played Banjo-Kazooie using a... a Xbox 360 controller. Like, everything was exactly where it was supposed to be, and it's just, like, it feels so, so great. Uh, I feel, I, of course, I got everything, like, I got the 100 quills and the pagey, and they teased me with, like, a little hidden, it was like a bottom or something that you have to activate that is hidden somewhere in the world. And for the life of me, I spent three hours trying to find that one missing puzzle, and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I'm excited to keep playing it and put some more hours in it 
and figure out what the last secret is because I have no idea what's what's hidden there. It's just like it's an extra thing, and um, I just yeah, I just want to find out about myself and, and figure out what it is basically. What if it ends up being like one of those things where it doesn't actually make any sense, and you just kind of have to brute force it, like what happened with uh, some of the last puzzles in Fez? Um, I mean, I guess it can be a possibility. Like, I, I don't want to spoil anything, right? But it's when when they show you that little like hidden secret, it's like it's just like a like a little. Uh, square snapshot. Like you have no idea of what what's going on around it, uh-huh. uh, but it's very it's very identifiable. Like you know that it's surrounded by a bunch of yellow things. And I was like, all right, it shouldn't be too hard to find like a block of yellow stuff. And it turns out <laughs> that it is. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give it a go uh, probably when I wake up after my nap right now because I'm super, super tired. And then, um, yeah, see see if I can find it. So are the controls... But the, game, the, game, the game looks awesome. It plays awesome. Everybody should be super excited about this. I don't think the backers nor the people that buy the game are going to get burned as they did with Body Number 9, which is a good thing. Right, so the controls are really tight, like really, like oh man, it's just like smooth. It is, dude. Like it, it totally, it's like it feels. Well, so the thing here is that um, back when we were doing the Banjo Kazooie discussion for the NBC Book Club, my X64 controller just gave, it just died. It went to the next plane, and it was just all right. I mean. It, it was good for 20 years. It had to get, die at some point. And that was okay, right? Like, it, I mean, things break. That's totally fine. Uh, but I couldn't find a replacement controller uh, quick and or for cheap. So what I did is was, and I'm very sorry, but I had to use an emulator, so I played on my PC uh-huh. using my X360 controller, right? And the way I laid out the buttons, which was the way that makes sense in my head, was the same way that ukulele is like laid out for yeah. the game using the 360 controller as well. So like something tells me that the people that played Tonic went and they played Banjo Kazooie on PC as well using an Xbox 360 controller, and they were like, "All right, where does it make sense to have these very familiar moves on the 360 controller?" And they nailed it. Like, everything was exactly where it was supposed to be. And it just feels right, to be honest. It's just, like, it feels really good. And other than the running, which is kind of awkward for myself, maybe it's just because I'm bad. Other than that, the entire game is just unbelievably fun. Like, I, I, I cannot wait to get more of the game. Oh, you know what? I didn't even know that they put it out there. Like, it dropped. Like you were the first ones to say that. Oh, I got the de- the demo. I'm like, what? Huh? Toy box demo for for what? Like I didn't even know yeah, that I, they had planned that to bring it out. Yeah. So they they showed the toy box first at E3 uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. So they showed it there, and I kind of knew how it looked because of that. But of course, we hadn't played as backers. We knew we were getting the tie box. That was one of the reward levels uh-huh. that we were promised to get. 
So, of course, I was waiting for that, and they announced on their big update a while ago when we talked about ukulele. Uh, I think it was, I don't know, like two months ago or something like that. Uh-huh. Anyway, so. they said, yeah, they, they said the toy box is coming in, in sometime in July. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to be sending the codes and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, cool, July, that's awesome. But, like, somehow, like, it just, like, it flew out of my mind. Like, I didn't remember the exact date. I wasn't, like, I wasn't counting the days or anything, right? Like, I just woke up one morning, checking my emails on my bed, as I do every day, and I was just uh, playing Sonic games, uh, like Kickstarter, blah, 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 and I was like, hold on, don't tell me, and I checked the email, and it was that, and I just, like, I flipped. I got off my bed, I uh, I think I put some Pop-Tarts on my, <laughs> <laughs> to heat up while I was installing the game and getting my stuff right. And then I used to spend the entire morning, like, I called uh, the guys at the office and said, hey, I'm going to be very late today because I'm playing uh, the ukulele demo, and I have to finish it before I go to the office. And that's all I did that morning. Like, I took a morning for myself, and I was eating Pop-Tarts, and I was drinking iced tea. I was just playing that, and it's so unbelievable awesome. Like, oh, my God, it's just, I'm super excited for this game. It's it's a shame that it's got delayed for next year but i'm okay with that i'm literally jealous that you got to play it because i'm just like uh because i i love platforming games and now just hearing you talk about it i i kind of want it like it it, it, it stopped being in the back of my mind you know i got so flustered with the zella breath of fire all these other games that i kind of forgot about ukulele but when you start talking about it and you just and the way that you make it sound like how tight the controls are, how fun it is, I, it's gonna kind of throw me back. And I just be, and I know it's a day one purchase for me. Like the day they announce the day they announce the release date, like finalize it, and it's on the eShop. I'm I'm just going up right by it. Like I cannot wait for this game. Yeah, it's 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 funny how we have so many other games coming up. Uh, like Zelda and stuff, and the Wii U, it's kind of like at the end of the life cycle, the NX, I mean, it's coming sometime, and that's great. And we, I just get this, like, shiny little demo of a game, and I get so excited about it. I, I stopped caring about everything else, and I was just playing that. Right. Oh, that, oh, that's so awesome, so awesome. So that's our indie watch. Uh, ukulele is out next year. Um, is it coming out for? I know it's coming out for the platforms, but are they releasing it in at three different releases? Like I, I think Nintendo was first, and then everybody else is second, or is all everybody being released on the same day? I, if I'm not mistaken, I think is PC. Uh, Mac and Linux first. Uh-huh. Then we, then yeah, they they promise we do PS4 and Xbox One together. So okay, yeah, nice, very nice. So we're gonna yeah. get into our second half topic um, about indie games getting a physical copy release. Um, Adrian, take it away because you asked this question, so I'm gonna let you um, uh, moderate this discussion for this part. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the the reason why this question uh, kind of like was brought to the table uh, was because uh, the people that made SteamWorld Dig and SteamWorld Heist 
are releasing a physical release uh, for Wii U. I think it's Wii U only. I may be mistaken, but it's on Wii U, and it's uh, going to have both games together on one disc. And I think they're also publishing Fast Racing Neo, which is just like unbelievable to me. Like I'm, I'm very excited uh, about that. Like I, like again, we've talked about Fast Racing Neo on this show before. And we wanted to play it, like I wanted to play it, and I want to play it with Larry. So getting the physical really, it's just going to be like the perfect opportunity for me to play. Also, Rumble is getting some Neo coming out. Yeah, I know, man. Like we're, we're, we're gonna play they said there's going to be new tracks on the physical release. Fantastic! Ooh. I'm all over that. Hell yes! So. So, like, yeah, like, uh, those three games are, or those three games are coming. Uh, Rumble, we talk a, a little bit about it as well. It's also getting a uh, physical release on 3DS and Wii U. Uh, Shovel Knight came out a while already, a while ago already. I think Shantae, it's also coming out uh, very soon uh, as well. And, well, it just the question it basically is, like, how do we feel about these indie games getting uh, physical releases uh, like, do we like it? Do we don't like it? Are there any games that we like? We would like to see as a physical release as well. I have a, I have like, let's try to say maybe like our top indie game, like just the one indie game, just to move the conversation. Oh, going a lot, I got a list for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can come up with a list too. But I think if we all, if we go for just one, it's easier to move the conversation on. Well, Larry, I'm gonna let you go first. Uh, honestly, I think the very top of my list that I, I want a physical release for, I still want a physical release for Castle Crashers. That would be a fantastic game yeah. to get a physical release, especially because I think they remaster it for, for like, Xbox One and stuff. Like, it will make sense for them to do, like, a physical release on Xbox One, maybe a Wii U, um, a PS4, PC as well. Like, I will... Like, I played it on PC, of course, but I would like to play it on my Wii U, especially if it has online as well, so we can, like, each of us buy a copy and we all play together. That would be fantastic. Yeah. I will never understand why that game didn't come out on the Wii back back when, because it, God, it should have. That I game think be written all over it. I think it was how... because of the engine they used. Well, probably because of Elliot Hominid didn't sell well. On uh, GameCube, but uh, that was the first time them even bringing a console game, and it wasn't. They didn't really market it that well because Elliot Hominid was a Flash game on PC. Like they were only making like Flash games on PC, so yeah. probably they needed uh, something a little bit more powerful, and maybe the Wii U wasn't going to give them, not the Wii U. The Wii wasn't going to give them what they really wanted uh, in that game. So probably probably just that. Like they probably didn't have a like because I I think when they came out for a PS3 and 360, I don't think WiiWare was going just yet. No, but it it it, it could have come later and it never did, and yeah. that made me because that's it, one of those that I think would have fit the the platform very well. Like it would it really would have fit better on Wii U also. 
like off TV play, having like all the characters, like like when you go, if you want to switch around, it could tell you your stats and your experience points and stuff like that. Like that would have been good on the gamepad. Like Crash Castle Crashers would have fit very well on the Wii U. Oh yeah, I think I think it's mostly because of that. Uh, what Eddie said, like they didn't have the Wii didn't have the the online instructor. The Castle Crushers required to uh, play online with people, and I, I think that was really the main reason why it didn't make it to uh, to the Wii. Uh, I, no clue why they didn't bring it to the Wii U. Uh, maybe they just figured the Wii U is not selling that well, so the game is not gonna sell much there. Uh, they they have a fair point if that was the reason, but I think it will have fit. Like just imagine. How many controller schemes you could have used for Castle Crashers on Wii U? You could have used the gamepad, a oh. pro controller, the classic controller, the Wii Sideways, the Wii and the Wii mode, the uh, classic controller pro, like so many different controller schemes. What would make that game awesome? Heck yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it is a shame that it didn't make it to, uh, to the Wii U at least, but... Yeah, that is a, that is an amazing pick. Like I will, I will be all over uh, a physical release of Castle Crushers for sure. What about you, Eddie? I got to throw one more out Go because I, I I I can't not put it out there. Why on God's gr- I want a physical copy of Fez. Yeah, we've talked about this, man. The Fez, nothing else is gonna happen with Fez. I, Fez is dead forever. Stop me from wanting it. <laughs> no, I don't know what I, I can. Physical copy of Fez. Yeah, I think Fez would work. I think Fez needs a physical copy because I think um, I don't know if a lot of problems at the end of that game got fixed, and I think a console release of it, they could go in and fix the problems. The guy doesn't want to work in the game anymore. That's the problem. Eddie. Yeah, he... but you know what? He could give it if he if he would have sold that game to a publisher. Um, and, you know, the, the developers got into that game and, you know, was really, really ab- big about it. They could have fixed the problems and brought it out to multiple platforms. It just didn't have to stay he's, as a 360 title. He's an artist, man. He And it's not only on 360. It's on PS4. It's on PS Vita. It's on, I think it's even on Wii U. Like, it's on pretty much everything. Uh, I never made it to Nintendo. Yeah. No, never made it to Nintendo. Well, it's also on PC, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he could. Yeah, but he's, he's the, the guy is an artist. He he won't have solid. I won't have solid either. I would have, if if I, I if I if he because him having all those problems and stuff and having the headache of a game like that, I would have just sold it to a developer so they could handle it and I could be I could feel good that I made a product like that, but I don't have to deal with the criticism and with the public knowing how they are towards towards me as a person as a creator like all the social media stuff like i wouldn't i if i was the if i was the creator i wouldn't have to go i wouldn't have to deal with that you know i'm, I'm just saying that, that would have been me uh i would have just sold it and made some money like yeah i think too what happened with him and uh his former partner left a bad taste in his mouth in regards to uh, ownership rights type issues with mm-hmm. uh, with that game too. Yeah, it was all a big mess. I, I don't blame him for just not wanting to do anything else. 
Yes, moving on. My my only complaint with that was that you know they they dropped he dropped the tease that you know Fez Two was coming, and within a week says you know what fuck it I quit. I'm like no, don't tease me that this this could have been a thing and then it's not. Don't don't do that. But yeah, well, there it is. It happened. I think yeah. you have to re you have to look at all the stories that Phil Fish is connected to to I think get the full understanding about Fez because I think you know it I, I don't think it, it was the game fault that he left I think it was just just the reactions in a way oh no it had everything to do with the community yeah I'm, I'm saying the game itself you know it like Fez Fez itself didn't have nothing to do with it not being a sequel being made or anything like that because a lot of people gave Fez critically acclaimed uh, reviews. Like, it, it's still one of a uh, still really good puzzle indie game. Oh, you yeah. know? Um, and when people, I think when people play it, they will be like, okay, you have to give props to the guy or to the people who made the, who made this game. And Because I'm including his ex-partner um, in it. Like they've really made a solid game, and you can't oh, yeah. you, you as a gamer can't deny that you might not like the creator and some of his antics or whatever, but you gotta give it up to him and be like he well he's really talented and he really put a lot of work into a game like this no absolutely agreed you know they they made a brilliant game, and i like you said. I think it's just it came down to issues with how the community treated him yeah. that he left, which is sad. Well, it's just the way it is, really. Assholes, yeah. this is why we can't have nice things. Pretty much, yeah. All right, Eddie, what's your what's your top pick for physical release? My top pick. See, I I because uh, I might get in trouble for this one. Um, I kind of want to say Bionic Commando, but I'm not. That's not an indie game. I, that's why I said I might get in trouble, so that's why I said not. Uh, and I was, I was, I was going to explain why I picked chose Bionic Commando, um, uh, because um, even though it's a it's a Capcom product, it, I felt like it was the reboot uh, and the second one, and you know having the original one. Putting all three games on uh, on a disc when I think about it, even though it's not indie, um, that's more of a compilation disc. So that's why I didn't choose it. I thought it would be it would fit for uh, a Binding Commando compilation indie game, but it's not. So my game actually would be Guacamole. Um, it's, it's Guacamole totally deserves a physical release. I agree. And you can put it on the Champion Turbo Edition. That that's fine. It's such a great design game. Uh, beautiful artwork. Um, one of the first indie games that I kind of bought for my PlayStation Three. Um, that I was really looking forward to. Uh, and I got really happy that it came to Wii U and other platforms. And I feel like it's a game that does the Metroidvania style of of uh, game design very well. I, I love turning to the chicken and just running fast. But I love the fact that, you know, mixing uh, the wrestling moves and uh, 
finding the powers and stuff and like just the well not the real good boss fights in that game it, it was just done so well like they i feel like they studied the metroid design to the t um and they do pay homage to nintendo with some of the signs and stuff like if you if you kind of if you pay attention and know what what nerdy stuff they kind of put into that game um you would you would see the love that they have for nintendo um and I, I just think they're they're very talented. Drinkbox Studios. I think they're just very talented. And I believe that game needs to uh, be on a CD, on a physical release. And I can tell you why these indie games need to be on a physical release. Because there are some parents and some gamers who do not, who still to this day will not buy a game digital. And they're missing on a lot of good content that these indie games. Uh, these indie designers and studios provide like even at my job i tell them that about the eShop stuff like if they're not buying uh super mario brothers 3d world on uh physical on uh, on uh eShop because no you can't find no physical copies nowhere they'll just be like well we'll just wait to gamestop get a get one or order off of amazon i'll be like no the eShop is right there they could you can find a lot of great games, um, and I do recommend a lot of eShop indie games. So um, these physical releases, I believe, will kind of help those companies um, get more visibility and, ha- and help them more in sales. You, you know, I, I really feel it just it just occurred to me like five minutes ago while we were talking about this. There is a, a brilliant market void that could be filled if somebody totally went in as a publishing company and just started grabbing up publishing rights to indie games like what um like what atlas did with a lot of the jrpgs bringing them to the states you know as as the publishing company to bring those here as kind of an ambassador you know for these these games that nobody else would touch you know these games are you know already out in the states I think that there really is a market void that could be filled by a publishing company going, you know what, there's a fuck ton of people that would totally buy this shit if we pick and choose and curate the right games for that audience and bring them physical copies and handle the publishing side of it. Oh, I agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So, you know, Atlas, you, you've totally got a thing. And you've got an awesome market. You could totally build on that if uh, you know if you wanted to pick this up, guys. You know, and, just uh, just saying. And Atlas is one of the, uh, is a trusted name when it comes to video games. Like they, I, I know they they're very well at uh, their marketing for digital games because they got great sales almost every week on the 3ds. But Atlas is such a trusted name in this market. Like you could you could put um, a double dutch competition role-playing game by atlas and it would sell like people would get hyped for it so having indie games attached to atlas oh people will i think people will recognize it more and be like yeah i need to buy this game i mean one, one could hope and i mean maybe it's not atlas's thing you know maybe atlas's thing is knowing you know what jrpgs to bring to the states you know mm-hmm. like what what's going to translate well to the American market here. But, you know, I'm sure somebody out there has to 
has to be in touch with this. Well, probably, there's uh, got to be. Probably XC. I know they're, they've been known to be touching, like, it bringing out indie games and stuff. So, but, I mean, that's, that's a thing. Um, you know, I just, somebody needs to get on that shit, you know. Um, and, and frankly, you know what? I, I think Yacht Club Games would be a great one because I know they're getting into some publishing stuff now too. Yeah, um, you know, Yacht Club would be brilliant. They did a beautiful job bringing that physical copy, you know, of Shovel Knight to the market mm-hmm. with that that spectacular, you know, old school style, you know, manual that was oh like forty something pages. That was the best thing you in just, the world. You, you jizzed yourself looking at it. Um, but you know, that's uh, that's that's a thing. You know, I, I think Yacht Club could totally jam on that. That would be a great way to expand their empire. Yeah, I think Yacht Club is probably the 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 company to do it because they're they're just doing it by themselves. Which, again, it's just unbelievable how much they've grown and how much they believe in their product. They did. They they took the chance. They did it, and they did it right, and it worked out very well for them. Of course, they needed some help with uh, publishing in Japan. And that's why Nintendo published Shovel Knight in, in the Japanese market. But I think, like, after the this experience, they'll probably do it themselves next time. They'll probably, whatever next game they work on, uh, chances are they'll probably publish it themselves uh, everywhere on the world. And that's awesome. I think uh, I think because they work well with Nintendo, um, I think they'll probably still work with Nintendo to get some that next game out. If they do, if... If Nintendo gets the exclusives to it to um, have it, that game released on their system, even if Nintendo doesn't publish it, I think Nintendo will help them still help them to be like, because this game was very successful on our system. And so I think their next game will probably be a Nintendo exclusive if Nintendo snacks it before everybody else can. That would be, that would, to me, that would be interesting. Yeah, but... Um yeah, I think, I mean, uh, Shovel Knight, of course, deserved to be on a Nintendo platform first. That's, that it was where it was meant to be Yeah, uh, from the beginning. I mean, like, er, that game is was born from that love of the era where it's taking inspiration from. Mm-hmm. And it had to be on the platform that everybody played those games back in the day, right? Right. Um, but yeah, but that's that's us. I think I think yeah, I, I, they're probably gonna keep working with Nintendo. I I think their relationship worked out really well, and they don't have any beef with them. And next game, it's probably gonna be again on a Nintendo platform first, and then move on to everything else. And they're gonna start publishing some other indie stuff. Uh, I for one, I know that if anyone at Jack Club uh, approaches me and says like, "Hey, we really like your game. We'd like to publish it." Yep. Yep, I'm okay with that. You, you publish it, of course. I will love. I would but love to work they, with you. The Jakob gotta be, you know, be very weary who they work with. Just be like, if you, if you know that they this publisher don't have no good business practices, do not connect with them. If, if they don't have the standards, I feel like if they don't have the standards like Nintendo. Like even if Nintendo doesn't do it. And Sony wants it, go with Sony. If Microsoft wants it, go with them. Like, just make sure that whoever they get with is not shady <laughs> with the game, because we do not need no shady mess to be met, uh, with Yakub Lanes. They they have worked too hard 
to bring out a uh, uh, game of the year uh, for their first game, actually. Like, to come out with a game of the year as your first game and still dominate to this very day, like, that's awesome. Like, so you kind of got to, they got to, they really have to be weary on who they're going to work with as a publisher. Well, not just that, but they've, they've worked very hard to cultivate a lot of goodwill with, uh, with their, you know, the gamers that are buying their product too, you know, not, not just the, the product that they put out, but the way that they, they interact with, you know, the, the public as well that consumes their product. You know, they've, they've gone to great lengths to be very, very cool and, you know, very consumer minded in that, you know, they want to bring them cool shit because they love them. So. Yeah. Now, if I could just um, get Treasure to make a game and release it digitally as an indie game, I would be fine. Uh, all the good Treasure shooters. Oh, yes. So, Adrian, um, I, I've, I've got a little news, and you, you may want to plug your ears for this, because it, it ties back just for a moment to uh, to our earlier conversation that you were out of the room for, as it were. Um, but I, I do want to drop this little nugget, because I, I have a friend that's uh, very, very talented and very cool and uh, very generous to us. Um, I, I was just reaching out to him as we were talking, given the nature of our discussion earlier, um, and I... I the reason I, I mentioned now is because I think I made mention of it after we uh, we paused for uh, for break and stopped recording. But um, I, I have a, a wonderful friend by the name of Jesse Andrews, and uh, he, he sings for a very spectacular band called Emperors and Elephants. If you haven't checked, uh, if you've never heard of them, check them out. They're actually based kind of in your area, Eddie. They're out in the Chicagoland area. Ooh. But um, every uh, every show that they play. Um, Jesse uh, Jesse talks about there's there's one song that he plays every show um, and it's it's kind of a, a therapy for him. He lost a, a very dear friend to someone that uh, showed up drunk to a party with a, a loaded handgun and uh, in, in a moment in a flash his his friend was gone and uh, he, he talks about it at his shows and you know he's he's not uh, an asshole about it. He's very very cool. He simply says look. You know, if if you're going to own a gun, be responsible. Don't ever point it at anything you don't plan on shooting, and don't be an asshole with it. You know, and he leaves it at that. But um, so you'll you'll have already heard it at this point in the in the show. But uh, he, I, I was reaching out to him and I asked him if uh, if I could drop that show or that song in the uh, in the intermission here at break. So uh, that's that's the song that you guys heard. That's called "Hit of Red" by Ampers and Elephants. That's from their uh, album "Devil in the Lake." Um, check them out on Facebook. They've got a new album getting ready to drop as well. I've heard some of the new stuff. It's fucking awesome. Um, and uh, check out you know where they're playing on Facebook. You know, see if they're coming to your area. And dear God, if they're coming to your area, go fucking see them. They're awesome. They're a great bunch of guys. They're all super cool. They love to hang out and talk with everybody afterwards. Um, and they've they've gotten to, to play some spectacular stuff. They've got some really cool notches on their belt. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, you guys will have already heard this by the time I, I edit the show together at intermission. 
but I just wanted to mention because uh, permission for that just came in as we were talking, and he was super excited to uh, to have us put that in there, actually. So I just yeah. wanted to give a little context to uh, to what you guys uh, heard, you know, our, our listeners heard um, in, in the intermission there. Um, but like I said, that's Hit of Red by Emperors and Elephants, and that's that's some of the story behind it. Um, but it's it's an absolutely beautiful song by a, a wonderful bunch of guys. Uh, please, I, I can't stress enough. God, go check them out on Facebook, Emperors and Elephants. Um, but shout out to uh, to Jesse and the guys, Jesse and Jeff and Jason. Um, you know, you I, I love all of you guys and Mook and who runs their uh, drives them around, you know, and everything and runs their merch table. And now I'm a complete asshole because I've just blanked on the God damn it. Jesse, Jason, Jeff, and I've totally blanked out on the fourth and I'm a complete dick and you can punch me in the head next time I see you for blanking on names like an idiot. Um, but much love to all four, all four of you guys that play all five of you that travel together. Um, thank you for that. So, all right. Yes. Yeah, thank you, Adrian. What's your um, uh, choice for games, physical games, or, and what do you think about it? Well, so to my two favorite indie games, which are Shovel Knight and Orient the Blind Forest, already have physical releases. Uh, of course, I would like Orient the Blind Forest to come to like Wii U and stuff like that. Uh, but those two games already have some sort of physical release, which makes me super happy, of course. So I think I'm going to go with my third option, which is uh, Braid. I think Braid uh, needs to come back. It was a fantastic game. It was one of the first indie games that made that made people understand, oh, I can download games on my console, and, and they're really cool quality games. So I think a, a physical release of Braid going for like 15, 20 bucks will totally make sense. Uh, it will also help to come on other platforms, like it's not on Xbox One, it's not on PS4, I don't think it's on Vita, uh, it's not on Wii U as well, so it will be cool for that game to come back. Um, I think it will make a big splash on today's uh, market for sure. So that's that's my pick. Do you think Jonathan Blow would actually do that? Of course not. He will never do it. I, that's just my, my wish. Yeah, I mean, like, he already worked on The Witness, and he worked on The Witness for, like, seven years, and The Witness really paid off for him. So he doesn't have any reason to go back to Braid. That's fine. I understand it. Uh, that, that doesn't stop me from wanting a physical copy of the game, for sure. Well, I think people would be mad if he did go to Braid, uh, release, it, release it now as a physical copy, and then his other game, before he did The Witness, he didn't fix and all those broken promises and stuff. I think the, a lot of people, that time in his game development, people wouldn't forgive him. But I would love to play Brain. I, I really would. Um, I would love to have a physical copy of that game and play it. Yeah. And that's 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 the topic. But what, what do you think of physical indie releases? Like, how do you feel about them? Like, do you wish more would come out? Or... Um, do you think if they got with a publisher, it's not an indie game anymore? Uh, or okay, so I'm an indie developer. What is what it means to be an indie is you publishing the game by yourself. As soon 
as you go onto a publisher that has big pockets like EA, Nintendo, Sony, um, Bethesda, anything, any any big name out there, you stop being an indie because you didn't publish your own game. Um, I'm going to interject for just one second. It came to me, so I don't get punched in the head next time I see you guys. <laughs> Ron, Ron was the one that I blanked on. So Jesse and Jason and Jeff and Ron, thank you all you guys. And Mook. <laughs> okay, Adrian, good seeing you. Uh, yeah, so that's basically what it, what it means to be an indie. And just like I said at the beginning, yes, uh, physical releases of indie games are awesome. Uh, I'm okay with uh, indie game going to a publisher for a physical release after they publish the game themselves. Uh, that makes a lot of sense for me, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, more, more physical games for sure. So, indie games. So, uh, Gun Club is already doing it, so get on it. So an indie game has to has to release dig, digital first only, correct? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It doesn't have to release digitally. It can release physically, but it has to be self-published. That's the whole indie umbrella. I don't know. I, I think for me, as long as it's indie developed, I'm not so much concerned about the, the publishing side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I'm actually going to defend uh, Eddie here on the Bionic Commando issue, too. You know, in terms of, like, what was out there on Live Arcade, you know, a number of years ago when that dropped, that, that had enough of an indie feel to me. Yeah, it was, you know, done by Capcom, but, you know, so much of what came out on Live Arcade and PSN wasn't necessarily indie developed or indie published, but it was done with the right mindset of, you know, small team, you know, making a, a, a game with a lot of love and more focus on concept and idea than, you know, the the super high polish end of things mm. that usually goes into a, a big AAA title. You know, I, I would totally defend the uh, the XBLA uh, rendition of Bionic Commando is very indie-ish. Right, because they went to a, they, Capcom went to an indie developer. An indie developer did Bionic Commando, the, the reboot of it. Or remake, I should say remake, because I think it yeah. is a remake. They went to it in a developer, and Capcom was going to publish it. And it only had been available digital. It's still to this very day. It's only uh, um, it's, it's only digital, like one and two. So even like with Strider, they went to it in the, in the developer. So that's why I was just like, them having a physical release um, might seem problematic, going by your rules, Adrian. Um, but because the developers who made it were indie, it's just that Capcom did the publishing stuff for it. Capcom gave them the money. That's not how indie works, man. True. That that is true. But a developer, the developer was indie. But that's why I changed my mind because I I thought that the indie the developer was indie. Um, well, the developers are indie, but. Just like you said, Capcom gave them the money, so uh, uh, that's why I said like a compilation like that would have been nice as a as a physical release, um, but that still wouldn't make it indie. Yeah, for for me, indie is about who's developing it, not who's publishing it. But that's that's my personal take on it. You know, and I know that you is is a you know an indie developer in a very small, you know team and you know company have likely a, a different ask you know take on that 
but me just strictly as the the consumer side you know i i i look at it and i go you know was it made by and i mean made by not published and you know put out into the world by but was it developed by an indie team or was it you know it barring that even was it made with that indie mindset of you know small team uh you know big focus on design and concept and not not so much about you know being this huge hyper polished triple a product you know something that that's you know maybe a, a smaller easier to digest and you know smaller budget game and you know s- smaller price point game that you know that that to me constitutes indie-ish you know even for my money going back before um you know, we had the likes of uh, WiiWare and XBLA and PSN. Um, I, I would even dare to say, um, going back to, you know, GameCube and PS2 and Xbox, um, games like uh, Future Tactics and uh, Phantom Dust, um, you know, hell, even, you know, Alien Hominid was a case in point of an indie game that was making it onto a console with a physical release. But, you know, those those are games that very much had the indie feel to me. You know, I'll grant you that Phantom Dust especially kind of pushed that boundary because even though it was a small budget title, you know, released at 20 or $30 brand new, mm-hmm. it, it still had that, you know, that bigger feel that, you know, it's like, okay, this, this feels like it could have maybe been done by a spare team big publisher but it it that that I will still classify almost as indie. But you know, a, a game like Future Tactics though really uh, had that very indie feel on you know on those consoles you know just two generations ago. So you know, it's there there are some that were that was the only way they could get out, and the fact that they did get out was a small miracle in and of itself. So. Yeah, I mean, we can we can go. We, this should be this should be an, another topic for another day because we can go for hours on this. I, I have more to say about it, but it's time is running out, and I'm extremely tired. <laughs> okay, then we're just gonna go get to our last topic, and this is a, a, a simple question, very easy. Um, this is a nice cleanse palette for everybody. Uh, would you ever go back in time and co-op with your with your younger self? Um, yes, for me, definitely. I would love to go back in time and just play Contra with my younger self. Like, have two good, experienced um, players uh, learning the in and outs of the game um, and just laughing and cracking up. Knowing my younger self and knowing myself now, I, I would do that. What about you, Adrian? Uh, I was a brat. I won't hang out with myself, no. I would probably punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> violent yeah I mean I don't know no I mean like I will trade Pokemons with myself probably challenge myself to a Pokemon battle that would be fun but I didn't play many co-op games when I was growing up because like nobody I knew played games so I was always playing single player games by myself all the time um, so yeah I mean I don't know I will trade Pokemons for sure have Pokemon battles, but other than that, not really. Okay, what about you, Larry? 
Oh, God, yes, I definitely would. I I unfortunately grew up in a neighborhood without, you know, uh, pretty much anyone to, to play with as a kid. And, you know, I, I well, I did play a lot of, like, single-player stuff. Um, you know, I still love playing stuff like the beat-em-ups, like I said, you know, like Battletoads and Ninja Turtles, you know, and I would love to have someone to play those with as a kid. I would have killed for that. And I just, I never had that, you know, nobody in my family was into it. I was kind of the odd man out. And so that was just a, a, a just me thing, really, unfortunately. So, yeah, I would totally go back and do that because I have tons of shit that I still play today that I played as a kid that I would love to have somebody to play with. So. All right. Um, oh, but before we, uh, before we close this shit out, I, I am going to mention I've, I've broken down, and I'm not playing it hardcore. It's just a sporadic here and there thing. But uh, I, I did break down, and I've, I've started dinking around with Pokemon Go a little bit. So I, I, I will speak to that. It's it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it is an amusing time sink, and it gives me the occasional excuse to go wander around my local park um, and, and fuck around a little bit. Um, it's It's not perfect by any means. It's got problems. And the recent update, they they tried to address that problem by basically taking a feature away and going, uh, we hope you just forget that this was a problem and nobody talks about it, but now everyone's talking about it as a result. But it's it's entertaining. You know, there, there are things that I hope get better for it. But, you know, as of right now, it's a nifty thing to play around with. But, yes, I, I did break down. I'm... I'm finally fucking around with Pokemon Go, and it's... I'm enjoying what little of it I'm playing. That's good. So, yeah, that's the thing. My Pokemon doesn't come to November, October or November, so whenever that game is released. Yeah. And it's called Sun and Moon. So. And with that, everybody, that is the show. But before we go, uh, Larry, did you have uh, Here's the Pitch? Oh, God. Yes, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw back to uh, to an old one from years ago. Um, I'm I'm gonna totally pitch out uh, what I was hoping for and still hope for one day to see in uh, in this only game. Actually, um, I totally I, I had a pitch years ago that I threw out to somebody. I, I think I put it down in an article, and it may even exist out in the interweb somewhere still to this day. But uh, the the concept was that um, we were looking at a kind of a, a very Bronze Age steampunky uh, era of Legend of Zelda, and um, I I never really fleshed out the details. But I a I think that setting would be really cool to to see that genre in for one. I, I think the uh, all the mechanics you know, the mechanisms and designs would make for some great items, mechanics, and puzzles. Um, but beyond that, the other thing that I would really love to see happen in that series is I would love to see them explore at the end of the game, you know, potentially what set off the flood that buried Hyrule, or that drowned Hyrule, that uh, led to uh, Wind Waker. Um I know it's a little bit of minimalistic, here's the pitch, and it's not anything that I ever super fleshed out. It's just one of those kind of nebulous ideas I've had in my head for many, many years. But, you know, A, I think the setting would be a great place for them to explore. 
Um, you know, obviously they're, they've explored a few different, you know, kind of variations on a theme with settings, you know, especially with the upcoming Breath of the Wild, kind of looking at that ruinistic, um, you know, centuries post-apocalyptic uh, kind of thing in its own right. And, um, you know, post-apocalyptic might not be the right word for that, but, you know, post-disaster and the, the world is just kind of overgrowing. Kind of that Shadow of the Colossus feel, which I, I'm totally digging. But that aside, um, you know, like I said, to, to just see, you know, what happened that triggered the flood that eventually, you know, drowned Hyrule, I think would be really cool to finally see and string some uh, some timeline events together to uh, Wind Waker. That would be awesome, actually, yeah. yeah I, oh, Wind Waker is my favorite 3D Zelda, so... So yeah, there, there you have it. It's uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little off my mark on that today. I hadn't given it a whole lot of thought, but uh, yeah. So um, remind me actually now that I think about it. Remind me next week for our here's the pitch, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about what I want to see eventually from Metroid Dread. You know, the one game that never uh, materialized off of that list of E3 games. Um, you know, from so many years ago because. Every other game that was on that list eventually mm-hmm. came out. Metroid Dread is just that one nebulous one sitting there in the wings, and they've teased us with it every once in a while. Like, if if you're playing through Corruption, if you pay close attention, there's a scan somewhere in Metroid Prime Corruption that actually talks about Metroid Dread. Ooh, so, nice. it's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible tease, but it's like, yes, we acknowledge it was a thing. But in any case... I'll, uh, I'll talk about that next week. And with that, everybody, that is our show. Um, we would like to hear what you guys think. Uh, is What's wrong with eating that Panda Express? Um, does simulated violence in this gameplay create criminals? Um, what would you guys like for a physical indie watch? And would you ever go back in time and co-op with your younger self? We would want to hear your answers and your thoughts to this, uh, these questions. You can email the show at world101podcast at gmail.com. That's W-O-R-L-D. 11podcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at that retrocode, T H A T R E T R O C O D E, and hear my podcast, Optional Opinion, on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, where you can also hear this show on uh, Google Play, iTunes, and SoundCloud, and also on archive.org. Um, Larry, go ahead and plug away. Um, at this point, the biggest thing Eddie's already mentioned, um, you know, we're out on archive.org. Um, the, the link to that is up on our Facebook page at World 1-1 on Facebook. Uh, beyond that, you know, I, I'll drop the link to that every week when I post up a new episode so that, you know, for those that don't have it, there it is. Um, beyond that, I'm out at face, I'm out on Facebook, you know, Larry is always right, giver. Um, I'm up on Xbox Live on 360, Megatron 0016. Um, I've got all my other, like, friend code and Nintendo Network ID shit uh, posted up on our Facebook page as well. Hit me up there. Um, I'm still itching for some friends to uh, to bust out some fast racing Neo with, which God knows, Eddie, you and I are going to get a, get that shit going when you're here in a couple weeks. Yes. Um, you know, like, like I said, uh, with any luck, you guys will be... Uh, hearing our show with uh, Eddie and I actually in the same room for the first time 
here in a couple weeks when that happens too, which will be fucking awesome. Um, uh, other plugs beyond that, I want to say shout out again to our, our friends at uh, Fandom Furniture. Uh, they did my spectacular Metroid Prime 3 chairs. Pictures of that are up on our Facebook page as well. Um, much love for uh, everyone out at Emperors and Elephants. Thank you for uh, you know letting us uh, drop your song into the show. And uh, I know it's it's your story, but you know hearing it was wonderful, and I, I it makes me sad, but it makes me very very happy to have you as a friend. Hearing how you dealt with that, um, but you know much love to all all of you guys at E and E, Jesse and Jason and Jeff and Ron and uh, and Mook. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you guys back in town here soon. Um, barring that, eventually when the baby's old enough, we're totally taking her to one of your shows out in your area. So, um, but yeah, hit them up too. Uh, so, Fandom Furniture is out on Facebook. Emperors and Elephants out on Facebook. Uh, so, you know, friends of the show. Yes. And uh, just in case I haven't mentioned it recently, which I don't think I have, but uh, much love out to Orgy as well, again, for them being so fucking super cool and letting us use their song Wide Awake and Dead for our opening every week. Um, mad props to them. Go check out their new album, um, Talk Sick. It's out now. It's spectacular. They're in the studio making more stuff as well as we speak, and hopefully we'll see that soon. They're touring as well. Go check them out if you if they happen to be coming through your area as well. So, And I'm going to shut the hell up. And Adrian. <laughs> Just go to thefirstmachine.com. That's it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Adrian just in his chair sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. Let's just finish this. I can go to sleep. Rosemachine.com sounds like a yogurt website. It's a Charlie does. Right. Totally does. And you can try, and you can, uh, buy his game Tuna Cycle on iOS and at Google Play. And with that, everybody, we are out. Um, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we should see you next episode. And with that, we are out. Peace. Bye. Deuces.